Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And this was a delightful conversation with a really wonderful friend and somebody that I just respect and admire so much, Ashley Gentle. It's been just so fantastic to watch her the last couple of years move all the way up to the world number one position um, and conquer so many amazing races around the world. Um, I absolutely loved this conversation. It was so great to have her back on the show. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. Speaking of success, have you ever tried fast food? It's a high-performance fuel made from 100% real food. No more bloated feelings or crashes. With their unique optimal energy release system, you get consistent energy. Dive into their Galacto Gel, Galacto Gummy, or the Hydrator and taste the real difference. Give them a go and let me know what you think. You can write me on any of the social platforms. I'd love your feedback. You're out there training hard and racing, and I want to know how you feel on fast food. And remember, your mission is fast food's mission, so don't miss out. All right, today's guest, well, she's a legend in the world of triathlon, an Australian prodigy who made waves early in her career, clinching silver at the Junior World Championships in both 2007 and 2008, and then she went on and struck gold at the Junior World Champs in Budapest in 2010. She then went on to have an outstanding ITU World World Cup career. Uh, She won her first World Cup career the following year after winning Junior World Champs, and for almost a decade, She's been at the pointy end of the sport, taking home titles like the World Triathlon Grand Final in 2018 at the Gold Coast on a home turf, which was a huge one for her. She's a dual Australian Olympian representing Australian Rio in 2016 and again Tokyo in 2021. And she's won the Holy Grail of Australian Triathlon, the Noosa Multisport Festival Triathlon, nine times going for a tenth in a couple of weeks. Two years ago, she pivoted to the middle distance and crushed it. Out of the five PTO championships, she's won three and finished second twice. Add to that, she's won or been on the podium nearly every race she's started for the past two years. An incredible transition up in the distance. She's been sitting at the world number one for most of the year. But just this week, she slid to number two right behind Annie Hug. But let's be honest, when you're at that altitude, it's all the same. Off the track, she's no less remarkable. She's recently married Josh Amberger, who was on the show just a couple of weeks ago, and a man that I just admire and respect tremendously. They're an amazing power couple uh, in the world of triathlon. So without further ado, welcome. Thanks for joining me once again on The Greg Bennett Show, Ashley Gentle. How are you, Ash? I'm good, thanks, Greg. Um, Yeah, really nice to be back on the show. Well, I tell you what, that was a long intro like I was saying pre-show, I wanted to make it shorter, but you have been busy. Um, two years since I last had you on the show, um, and like we were talking about right before we hit the record button, you were contemplating what direction do you go with your career? Do you go to Paris Olympics or whatever? Man, it's flowing by. Yeah, it has. It seems like a long time, but also a short time. Um, mm. Yeah, two years ago when I was speaking to you, like I just, yeah, didn't really know what to do with my career. I guess it was at a tough spot spot where, you know, I hadn't achieved what I'd like to have at the Olympics. And, you know, that was making me think maybe I should try again in Paris. Um, mm. But yeah, I ended up 
moving up to middle distance. And I think that's where I knew I would go, to be honest. Mm. And yeah, no regrets. It's been, yeah, probably the best two years of my life and just had so much fun as well. So yeah, it's, it's been incredible. Yeah. I remember we recorded that episode and I actually remember kind of sitting and chatting with you for another 15, 20 minutes after we finished recording and talking about your future and and in your gut, I could hear the way you were talking. You knew the direction you were going. Um, there's very few that ever tick all the boxes they wanted at the Olympics. I actually find, I think all of us go, yeah, we went, but uh, I, I would have loved it a little bit more. Um, so it's never an easy one to walk away from. But, I mean, you have to feel a sense of, all right, I listened to my gut and it was the right decision. Yeah, definitely. And I think I just got to a point where, yeah, I was really appreciative of all my experiences in short course. Like I had the time of my life. Um, I started from a very young age. Yeah. My, my first world championships was, I was only 16 years old. So I was so young <laughs> and yeah, I hit the world series circuit Yeah, in my early twenties. I, I think I might've been 20 in my first one or 21. So I think I just had to look back and be like, yeah, like, that was amazing. That was an incredible like short course experience. And, um, you don't always get what you want. That's Mm. high performance sport. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to walk away and be like, what's done is done. And what else is there for me? And I think that there is definitely no regrets because I did recognize that I could be missing other opportunities if I still held on to this dream. Mm. And yeah, it's um it's been a great two years and I think that I just need to yeah, keep going forward. You know, still, you know, I don't think I'll ever really let go that I didn't achieve what I wanted to at the Olympics, but yeah, you have to move past that and just look what's ahead and just be appreciative of what you did get to do mm-hmm. and yeah, what's to come. It's a, it's a champion's mindset. I'll, um, <laughs> I have a couple of things I want to quickly add. I, you know, if I look at my own career, there were two races that stood out that I never won, especially in the non-drafting world. They were Noosa and Escape from Alcatraz. Got second and thirds and all sorts of things. Here are you winning Noosa potentially for the 10th time coming up, not to put any more pressure on you than you already are, but, and then you've won Escape from Alcatraz. So you've won all of those. And the second part I want to add is I remember running with Javier Gomez and it must have been in about 2007 and we'd both had been doing pretty well um, for a while and yet both of us were complaining that we hadn't, we're not complaining, a bit saying things that we wished we'd done which we hadn't and and at the end of the conversation we almost just had to laugh because it really is just an athlete mindset that you always want for more. but before we go any further, I, I do have to give a belated congrats um, for you and Josh getting married. Was that about a year ago? When, when did you guys get married? Yeah, thank you. Um, it was the 12th of November last year. Um, it was a little bit delayed uh, due to COVID restrictions and whatnot. So mm. yeah, finally, um, yeah, got married last year and yeah, had a great time. It was, yeah, it was so much fun. Um, so yeah, still think very fondly um, upon that day and yeah, it's coming up to a year. So yeah, time really does fly, but oh, yeah, not, not much has changed though. No, no, <laughs> nothing just, changes. 
Yeah, an throw, awesome celebration. Throw some kids in there and suddenly you realise, huh, now it's real. <laughs> now it yeah, really I think feels that good. would change it a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> but also I want to congratulate you on the fact that last week or about you guys both won Ironman 70.3 um, Langkawi. Um, that was huge for the both of you to have a win. Has that happened before? Have you both won at the same race together before? Um. I'm not sure. I think potentially we have it at a smaller type race, but Mm. yeah, I guess at the Asia Pacific Championships was kind of cool, like a championship race. I think that, yeah, it's very rarely been done a married couple um, at, you know, at that 70.3 championship race. So yeah, yeah, it was really cool experience. Um, I was just super happy for Josh, to be honest. Like he put in a lot of work and you know, he does a lot for me and I was just so happy to see him rewarded um, after, you know, he hasn't had, you know, many wins the last couple of years. So to be able to see him do that and just really race the race to his strengths, um, he he really reveled in that and really enjoyed, um, yeah, just going off the bike and had, you know, Mike Phillips and a few other strong men to accompany him and, yeah, to be able to kind of get that done together was great. I saw him in second and then I saw him in the lead out in the run course. And I was like, wow, I really better keep this together. <laughs> Don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah, I can't screw this up. So yeah. I was very glad to get to that finish line and see him and, yeah, it was, yeah. it was super fun. It was really cool because I had only just recorded the episode with him maybe the week before and he was saying, yeah, I'm going to Langkawi and then I'm going off to Europe and um, – and we were talking a bit on that episode, you know, it had been a bit of while, uh, a while between drinks for him in terms of a, a win. And and I don't know, when I have these conversations with you all and, and I, I kind of, I get emotionally invested, you know, because you get to know somebody quite well. And then so for when he went and had the win and then you went and, you know, did your thing, I don't know. I was truly excited for both of you. And, and it's one of those that, I think you get to hold on to for quite a while. Like it's like, yeah, even if it never happens again, you got to have that. Um, most couples would love to have that happen once. So it's really cool. Um, but now you're preparing for, for Noosa. Um, like I said in the intro, going for 10, right? I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Um, it seems surreal that that is even possible. Um, I don't know if I feel that old that I could have done <laughs> I know. I don't see you as that old either. I'm like. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess I started quite young. I, I did my first one I, when I was 18 or 19, I think. So Yeah. I guess um, being so young when I started, I think it will be my 13th Noosa Triathlon. I had a couple of second places in there as well. Mm. And, yeah, it's coming up quickly. Um, it's an interesting time of year because, um, you know, if I'm honest, like, yeah, it's, it's been another long year yeah, and, yeah. um, there's only so many times you can really peak. So I kind of get to this point where Noosa Triathlon is just thinking of that and the atmosphere and the people, I just really has to motivate me because at, by this point I'm like very tired mm. and just trying to get through a little bit to be completely honest with you. So it kind of like motivates me um to to keep training uh to get to noosa and then once i get there it's just like yeah i'm so glad that i'm here because the atmosphere is second to none and i just absolutely love it so it's the perfect way 
to end the season for me and um yeah I've thoroughly enjoyed it every single time so yeah I'm amazed I'm amazed that you can put yeah, that was always my big thing for the longest time to kind of have my major races in sort of July August September potentially October and then go oh another month I was like oh I can't do it <laughs> it was always so hard <laughs> to try and bring out another big performance um but you've been able to do it and and consistently do it which is really cool and for everybody listening you know if you're in the US Europe wherever you are if you ever want a destination event, it's not just a race. The, the week of just incredible events that are going on, um, go to Noosa. You, you won't be let down. It really is one of the great sporting events in the world. Um, they still have a lot going on, right, that whole week before I sell yeah, it too hard? It's yeah, it's a huge festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So please go check it out. Now, did you watch Kona Ironman last weekend? And, uh, yes, I did. I definitely did. Mm, what were your thoughts? Um, it was incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, I like missed bits and pieces of the bike because I didn't actually set an alarm, but I was up at like, I woke up at two or three or something, which is <laughs> wild. Like I do not usually do that. It's very early for me. Um, so yeah, I kind of tuned in when I woke up and they were exiting the water or just had gotten to the bike and um yeah missed portions of the bike just trying to get a little bit extra sleep in yeah it's it's a long day to watch every minute of it I'll give you yeah it's a very long day very long day (laughs) but they make it look so easy right I'm always so Mm. incredibly inspired and like Mm. maybe I should do this one day but I also think like you know these women they've prepped for this all year and they're absolutely just crushing it and making it look a lot easier than it actually is mm-hmm. um and yeah it was obviously a incredibly fast day and yeah just so dominant by Lucy Charles um yeah oh. that was yeah pretty incredible i think she had the whole triathlon world rooting for her um you know it's like nobody wants to see somebody get four seconds and still not get it. And, uh, I think we were all blowing at her back. If you're like trying to blow her to the finishing line and uh, it really was a remarkable performance. Um, yeah, definitely. And especially, you know, those people coming from behind someone like Anna Haug, like mm. she's, it's terrifying having <laughs> someone like that, um, running you down. She is an absolutely incredible athlete and, um, everyone in the field, like it was obviously a great, um, field women's triathlon at the moment is just in such a good space. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. I was able, I feel so privileged to be able to race pretty much all of those women on the PTO circuit this year. And, um, a lot of these Ironman athletes that are yeah so dominant Ironman, a lot of the women, they're also just so fast as well. So they cross over to the 70.3 and PTO distance. So, easy easily it seems so um yeah it would have been you know Lucy was obviously having you know the best day just probably you know I'm not saying it would have been easy for her but she was obviously found that kind of flow and was Mm. just in so much control but I'm sure it's still quite unnerving having someone like Anna Haug um (laughs) running running you down but you know she still had plenty of space in the end and it was just overall um yeah fascinating what race to watch yeah it was it was a tremendous strength and like you said any hug running a 248 ah yeah i mean the amount of kona ironmans we've seen where only one or two men get in the 240s you know it's it's so and then to run a 248 i mean and when we 
unpack Lucy's 824. If you do a 412 half, that's going to have you win yeah, most 70.3s yeah, around the world. Yeah, that's not bad, is it? I didn't think of it like that. <laughs> and oh she's gone back to back and gone an 824. It's just, it really is mind-boggling. But i got to say, you know, Ashley, when you look at your results from, like I said, those five PTO performances, all the names we've mentioned, so Lucy, Annie Hug, we haven't mentioned Taylor Nib. you've been, this is your group. It's like... It's like the four or five of you throw in Laura Phillip and a couple of, it's like, that's, that, that is the group. And so I can imagine you sitting there on the couch as you wake up with your morning coffee and you, yes, you haven't trained specifically for that event. So I'm not throwing you in the mix, but you must think, wow, that's, that's, this is my generation and this is who I'm going to be racing for, for the next period of time, however long that is. I mean, was that kind of feeling that like, you know, these girls probably better than, anybody when it comes to racing yeah it's it's been really great to be able to race um yeah all of those women at the the pto races and i think that that's what they were aiming for too right to put Mm. on these races where it attracts um kind of everyone to come to their races and yeah over the last two years I've, i've definitely done that and yeah like i've obviously never done an ironman let alone kona so you know, I, I would never, I would never compare myself to those women when they're doing that, um, their, their specialty, I guess, preparing for that race each year. I was more just, yeah. Um, mm. watching in admiration and just thinking, yeah, wow, this, the sport's in a good place. And it's pretty cool that I have raced all of them the last couple of years and yeah, kind of starting to get to know their strengths, weaknesses and, um, it's a bit of a different ball game, of course, over the Ironman, but yeah, watching it unfold, having raced all of them was, mm. yeah, a pretty cool experience for sure. The, the thing I took away from it before we move on and talk about you specifically, but I, I, it was simply just they're racing from start to finish. It's like it's, it's an all-out effort. It, there's no... There's no like, I'm going to pace myself for this bit and then push and then pay. It's, it's, it's flat out. You know, you can't, you can't do an 824 or or like I said, back to back 412s without going as hard as you can at every moment of that entire race. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's so fascinating because it's just like, wow, it's such a long time to be pushing at that limit. Yeah. And, you know, kind of thinking to myself, I thought, I thought people blew up in these races. <laughs> That's what I it's thought. Like, they're unstoppable. <laughs> um, you know, obviously oh. Taylor Nib would probably tell you different and tell mm-hmm. us that she blew up. But I'm like, uh, it was still pretty dead. You still did an 8.35 on your inaugural Exactly. I, I, mean, I didn't see any meltdown no. uh, when I watched that. Um, no. It was incredibly impressive. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. They need to turn up the heat more or something because it was just like, yeah, these yeah. women are just crushing it. Um, yeah. Well, impressive, yeah. impressive all around to all the women that raced. Uh, the, the statistics that are coming out from the event itself, uh, not, not just the performances on race day, which were apparently just incredible, um, age group women, professional women, uh, the numbers of viewers um, was off the charts. We, we got to watch outstanding performances all around. So big shout out to everyone involved. Um, but now I just want to quickly recap your journey. Um Rewind the clock for, for viewers that, uh, for listeners that haven't listened to your episode when you were last on, which was episode 97, 
And this is actually episode, I think, 199, 200. We're right on that cut. So go back to 2008, 2021, um, and you can listen to Ashley where she was contemplating what's next for her journey. Um, But what I'd like to do real quick is just recap your journey, um, how you got into the sport, you know, when did you realize you had some ability and uh, when did you sort of pull the trigger and go all in? Um, Yeah, I guess as a young athlete, well, even just as a kid, I definitely just, I've got two brothers, I'm a middle child and just, um, yeah, was always really active with them. We played out on the street most days and just, um, was involved in a lot of sport through school, um, out of school. And yeah, I guess I probably came from like a team sport background. If I'm completely honest, I played a lot of netball and a lot of touch football <laughs> and kind of made re- representative teams for touch football before anything else. So I guess a a bit of a different kind of background, but I definitely um, really loved athletics and cross country through school. So that's where I kind of landed um, in future representative teams. And I was running with um, Jenny Alcorn, who is the head coach at Surface Paradise Triathlon Club on the Gold Coast. And yeah, I guess um, gone into the sport just because I felt a bit left out, not swimming and cycling like everyone else. Mm. So yeah, I was about 14 when I um, <clears throat> started to swim and I'd done, you know, basic, like learn to swim for safety as most Australian kids do when they're younger. Um, but yeah, kind of late to get into the pool and actually learn to swim properly um, as an Australian. That's quite uncommon. I know 14 still sounds young, but you know what it's like mm-hmm. here, everyone's you know, five or six years old and tearing it up. So, um, yeah, also got on the bike and just absolutely loved it. Like I obviously, oh, well, I obviously did because I did my first triathlon soon after that um, when I would have been, yeah, 14 or 15. And I think it ended up being, you know, some sort of race just coincidentally that took me to like regionals or states and I kind of progressed up that ladder quite quickly. And, um, I guess as a kid, if I, I obviously enjoyed the experience, but I was also was able to race, um, with the state team and the national team. And obviously I thought that was pretty exciting and kind of honestly haven't stopped since that first triathlon just at (laughs) Ravina. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's awesome. I mean, and, and it was a pretty, I remember asking you, you know, what, what was your first job? And I think you did a running race and got paid $500 or something. <laughs> and, and it was like, yeah, that was my yeah. first job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get, I guess thinking a little bit deeper, I think me and my brothers had some sort of paper route. <laughs> You've been thinking about that something. for two years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think we did that at some stage, yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. And I also, you're probably getting paid like a dollar for that. And I yeah. go to like a fun run and yeah. Um, yeah, I do all right and get, yeah, paid $500 or something. That is like a, a young person, oh. a teenager, you just like, what? That's amazing. So yeah, um, yeah. a good incentive to keep um, doing some fun runs and getting a bit of pocket money. Mm, I love that. And and it is a really fun episode if people want to go back and listen to that, because we do have a bit of a, a laugh on that one. But I want to now fast forward, um, you know, and, and right up to our conversation two years ago and the change to leave Olympic distance. We talked about a little bit at, at the top of the show or for, not Olympic distance, Olympics. Um, 
What was that transition like for you when it comes to your training, your, your mentality towards the sport, and even the team that you were building, coaching and everything else? Was it, was it a lot to take on, that change? Uh, yes and no. I think that, um, I think, you know, I was in touch with David Tilbury Davis um, and he took me on as an athlete and he's, he's my, still my coach now. And, yeah, I remember just thinking um, just, you know, at the start of 2022, just don't worry about anything. Like don't worry about trying to get new sponsors. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about any, anything, all of those other things. Just mm. try and do what makes you happy and just go out there and don't be fearful. Just give it a go. And I guess um, the PTO had come out with their couple of races and the Collins Cup, and that was coming up in, I think, Edmonton was July of 2022. And I was like, okay, there's a goal. What I what do I need, need to do to get you know, on the start line of that race? And obviously there's very established um, middle distance athletes who mm. had been accumulating PTO points that was – um, what you needed. You needed to be ranked um, inside the top 30 or 40 to even get a look in um, to be at that start list. So I'm like, okay, kind of just looked at the races that were at the start of 2022 and just thought, okay, let's um, do some of these races. I did Clash Miami. Crush that. You crushed that. My goodness. Remember that? <laughs> Didn't you win that by yeah. 10 minutes or something, that Clash Miami? It was only a yeah. three-hour race. Clash Miami, that was, um, yeah, pretty early on mm. and it was a – a funny distance. It was kind of in between Olympic distance and 70.3. So it was actually perfect for me. It was a good stepping stone because I know it doesn't probably seem that long to most people, but I kind of still had a bit of a fear around the distance because I'd just done Olympic distance for so long. And over the last, you know, even five years of my career, it was kind of getting shorter. Mm. There was more sprint distance races getting introduced, mixed relay, (laughs) So it's just getting shorter and shorter and I was like, you know, I think I was just very respectful of the distance and the the established athletes that had been kind of honing that for so long and just knowing like this is, it's not just that easy to just double the distance and be Mm -hmm. be okay. It's still quite an endurance event and they're pushing so hard for that whole time, the whole four hours. So, yeah, Clash Miami was a great stepping stone. And it was also quite favourable for me because it was ridiculously hot. Oh, that was the one where, yes, I remember remember Emma Pallant-Brown. That was the one she collapsed and really hurt herself, right? Did she fall off? She just fell Uh, down. Yeah, when she was running, thankfully, not on the bike or anything. And then Sarah Perez-Sala, I think she she had something happen as well. I think there was quite... Yeah, so, yes, there was a few DNFs, unfortunately. And for me, I kind of had come off the back of an Australian summer, a Queensland summer, and you know what that's mm. like. It's pretty brutal and pretty much <laughs> the best thing for like a hot race at yeah. the start of the year. So, um, yeah, I was – it was hot, but I was like it was quite good for me mm. to be able to kind of thrive in those conditions and, yeah, collect some really good points because that was, um, I guess, rated quite highly and, yeah, went on to Oceanside and also did um, – challenge uh, the race in in Samarin so I did uh, three pretty good races that was you know good enough for me to 
even be on the start line mm. of Edmonton, the inaugural of PTO Tour event. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was like, yeah, pretty mind-blowing um, that I was even, I made it to the start line. I was, yeah, quite proud of myself and just really happy to be there. And then when I actually won that event, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, my post-race interview after that race, I don't think I ever want to watch that back, but I was pretty <laughs> emotional. Um, but it was the best feeling in the world. So. Yeah. Well, the prize was money cool. was huge. I mean, it was a 100000 for the win or something. Yeah. You know, which is for professional triathletes, for everybody listening, that it really is impactful. Um, you know, well, for anybody, it's a lot of money, but it, it's, you, you've worked – you know, 15 years at that point of being an athlete and you finally get these bigger paydays, which you're like, oh, nice, <laughs> right? Um, and it was over yeah. over such a strong field. I, you know, Paula Finley on home soil, Chelsea Sodaro, who went on to win Kona Ironman World Champs that year, Laura Phillip, um, yeah. Holly Lawrence, every, everybody was there. Really, Nicholas Spirig, top 10. I mean, it must have been a really, um, really special feeling. Yeah, so for me, that race is particularly special because I think back at that and it was more just, yes, it was amazing to win and it was an amazing opportunity to win win that prize pool. But for me, it was that feeling of just like being back. I mm. had this fire in my belly that had honestly gone out a little bit and it's obviously you're an athlete, so you know what I'm, I'm trying to Mm -hmm. describe, Mm -hmm. but it's also indescribable. Like this, this feeling where you feel like you can finally push your body Mm. again. You finally have that fire in your belly. And it's like my mind, my, my body was, you know, in cohesion with my mind and that kind of together to be able to push myself again and just feel like I was doing something that I truly love. Um, it's so hard to try and put into words. Um, this is this is where I need Josh. He's good at this. He's good with words. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just with such an incredible feeling. Um, mm. And I think that if I had that race and that feeling and not of one, I honestly think that I would have been just as happy because yes, of course, I'm so grateful to have won. But I mean that feeling with inside me was just like that's what I needed to feel and that was what I needed to really go like okay yep this is it I love this and it gave me so much motivation and inspiration to just yeah keep going and know that I made the right decision and yeah it's it's absolutely amazing what it did for me um, mentally to yeah to forge forward I guess and push myself even more like it was my first big you know middle distance race and and, um Mm. yeah just kind of learned so much from then on in I just think you spoke so well then by the way I don't think you need Josh to say anything for you because (laughs) it's not only what you said it's how you said it um I think everybody listening we can hear the emotion and everything of what it meant to you and and as a former athlete myself I do get what you're saying because sometimes you feel like you're out in the wilderness and you know, am I done? Do I have anything more? And then suddenly you get this, oh, I can still do this. I still do belong. This is awesome. And and you need that little bit of belief in yourself that, that just can empower you to go forward. And then from there, you know, you went on 
Collins Cup and then the PTO US Open um, at the end of the year. It still wasn't over. It really did propel you. Yeah, definitely. Um, it it was just, yeah, just so, so surreal. But in another way, though, I'm just, you know, I made the decision to keep pursuing triathlon and do middle distance racing, but just in general, keep pursuing triathlon because no matter what other people may have thought or I knew that they were thinking, deep, deep down inside me, I must have known, like, I still, I still, mm believed in myself and I'll never be an overly confident person. I don't think I'll ever outwardly show that confidence, but I think I had enough self-belief deep inside me. It was very deep, but obviously still had it enough to be like, let's give this a go. And then once I kind of felt that, yeah, feeling again in Edmonton, it was what I needed to have that kind of bubble a bit further up towards the surface. And mm. yeah. And a really fun experience in Collins cup, um, PTO kind of bringing together everyone, um, from the different continents and yeah, it was a really fun experience and then kind of moved on to Dallas where well, yeah, that, was, Dallas that was, was insane. That was um, insane. Was, insane. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. I was, the, 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 I remember the Dallas, um, the athletes that raced and that top 10 was, you know, actually I'll bring it up here. you got Taylor Nib in second, Lucy Charles Barclay in third, Holly Lawrence in fourth, Lisa Norton in fifth, Flora Duffy in sixth. The name's just, it is the who's who of women's triathlon in the past decade. And it was just, I mean, Edmonton was special as you've just decided, but that, that was almost like cementing it, surely winning the US Open at the end of the year? I think too because it was just, yeah, the conditions were extremely difficult. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the swim, the water was hot. Um, the bike was, you know, flat and multiple laps. But, you know, I was uncomfortable coming out of the water and I had swum quite, I, I swum very well to to come out with who I did and that um, – group behind someone like Taylor and Lucy. I was in that front group with, mm -hmm. you know, people like um, Paula and Flora and, um, great swim. you know, mm -hmm. for me that was great, but I also think maybe I did overswim a bit because I was like, wow, I got onto the bike and I was very uncomfortable and hot. And, yeah, the, those time trial helmets don't really help sometimes, mm -hmm. or the one I was wearing last year. And um, it was it's just uncomfortable and it's just like, forgot, you know, the power. I was just like, okay, just ride to where you think you think your limits are. And yeah, there was girls up the road and I kind of just raced my own race. And then once I got into the run, it was it was quite insane. I, I just I felt amazing. And yeah, I didn't actually feel that hot once I was out in the run. I could call myself the aid stations. And yeah, Taylor Nib had a huge deficit on us and mm. yeah didn't even think that I'd be able to catch Lucy let alone Taylor so to be able to come away with that win in that race and come from I guess so far back was yeah and I don't think anyone mm. thought it was possible so it was pretty surreal to be able to do that and 
um, have an experience in, yeah, those super tough conditions. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, just looking at the splits, you know, you ran a, a 104 high and the next sort of split was a 111 or 113s, 112s. Nobody's under 110 and you've got a 104 high on that one in the run, which was absolutely outstanding. Where did, where did you catch Taylor, Nib? Because it was only, you know, at the end of the day, 45 seconds or 50 seconds. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, just over a minute. Um Maybe 2K to go or something. Wow. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, yeah. outstanding performance again. And then it was at, at the end of 2022 you went home and did Noosa again or was that it? Yeah, I came home and um, <laughs> just prepared for Noosa. So, yeah, I, I think Dallas was one of those races actually. Like it, it did take a lot out of me. Mm. Um, you know, I wait. yeah, I, I just had to kind of come home and, and recover because, um, yeah, it was a super hot race. And even though I felt amazing on the run and I don't think, well, clearly the, the heat didn't affect me like it did some of the other women. Mm. Um, you still had to still try to respect the fact that I'd, yeah, dug pretty deep, obviously to, to get that result. Um, so yeah, came home and relaxed for a while. <laughs> but it's also nice, you know, you, you, you get to the end of 2022 You've been a successful athlete for 10 to 15 years prior, spending a lot of time sort of on the, on the world triathlon circuit um, and the, chasing the Olympic dream and, and that kind of thing. And you've had some decent sponsors and things, but to actually finish a year and be like, okay, that was, I actually feel like a professional athlete. Like I can look at my bank account and feel like somewhat of a professional, you know, triathlon, we, it, it can be tough. But to have those couple of big wins and, and some other success along, you know, was there a little bit of, okay, now I can even up my ante a little bit more and get ready for 2023? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like obviously I'd put in an incredible amount of hard work, but it doesn't, like I was also just so grateful that, um, yeah, the PTO had given all the athletes this opportunity to earn that kind of money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they generally want to raise the game in triathlon and, and make sure that triathletes get um, paid a decent mm. wage and yeah to be rewarded like that is absolutely incredible it's not it's not something I ever imagined like I didn't get into the sport of triathlon to be oh let's let's get rich it's not something <laughs> that many people think about and especially me as just like a, a teenager it's it wasn't it's not the reason I do triathlon no. but to be able to make a proper living from the sport is not lost on me I'm yeah exceptionally well grateful and yeah it's obviously a lot of hard work but you also have to have the people there to give you those opportunities mm -hmm. and yeah PTO did do that and um they're genuinely wanting to help raise the game for athletes and yeah it's it's pretty cool to see um we had an extra race this year mm -hmm. um so three of the PTO tour races and um there's you know two locked away for next year it seems but you know they want to make it more they want to make more of a tour and more races awesome. and yeah make it bigger I guess um they've got the live stream already obviously but they want to make sure there's more cameras out there to kind of showcase more the athletes along the race so the vision is there and I think that um yeah it's an exciting time yeah big big shout out to Sam Renouf and the PTO and everything they're doing and the telecasts were fantastic honestly everybody I was talking to, you know, everybody's texting each other and all the races, especially this year, um, of just how great the coverage has been. Um, 
and, and, and what they're trying to do and are doing with, with the PTO is absolutely outstanding. So big shout out. And I hope you don't mind me just talking about the finances. I'm certainly not meaning to um, say, wow, look at you. Aren't you just so lucky? It's more just saying it's just great that the sport's in a place where, like to your point, people are trying hard to give athletes the opportunity to really have a decent income. Anyway, we move into 2023. There's no slowing down. You, um, you know, you've hit this year flying hell of the West early on for people who don't know that is the name hell of the West is yeah. it's tough. Uh, uh, you know, is it Gundawindi, the back of Brisbane? Where is that? Um, oh, a bit further out from Brisbane. <laughs> it's about a five-hour drive. A five-hour drive. Okay. That's not yeah, that far. When you look fun. at Australia, that's just over the hill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but you start with a win there. Um, you know, that, that was early on in the year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty early on. Um, I'm a nervous racer at the start of the year. Yeah. I would have been toing and froing whether to race that for sure, but Josh convinced me in the end, I think. Um, yeah, it was a cool experience and even if I don't race next year, I think I'll go out there just to like see all the country kids. They're so enthusiastic and so great. Uh, yeah, yeah, great atmosphere. Yeah. But then, you you know, it was a focus again in this year, you know, the, the PTO events and a, a couple of 70.3s when you mapped out your calendar? Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess when I was thinking about it, it was like my A races were the PTO races. Um, there's, yeah, no hiding that for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, PTO Ibiza was fairly early on, I guess. In, it was in May. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm not too confident at the start of the year. I feel like, yeah, I take a pretty decent break at the end of the year and feel like I'm quite slow to get back and get my fitness. But, um, yeah, it was still, it was, yeah, a great race in Ibiza and it's a pretty cool place to be able to do a triathlon, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, so Ibiza was the focus at the start of the year and then um, once I got that done, it was definitely, you know, I did some other races and um, the big focuses definitely were doing the PTO US Open in Milwaukee and then the Asian Open in Singapore. They were only two weeks apart. So, mm-hmm. you know, once I got into the middle of the year, I was at a pretty high fitness level, but yes, yeah, still really focused towards those um, two races in August. Yeah. How, how do you think you went when you you look at your, you know, you, you had the, the second to Annie hug at, at the European Open in Abitha. <laughs> um, and then you had the second at the US Open to Taylor Nib, and then you come out and win in at the Asian Open ahead of Annie Hug that time. You know, if you were to look at your season um, highlights, what does it feel like? Yeah, so I guess um, in Ibiza it was a bit of a rough, like, lead-in. I just I wasn't feeling amazing. I was a little bit sick and I felt like, when I first got to Europe, like two weeks before Ibiza, I had a pretty um, horrible race experience at a smaller race. And mm. I shouldn't have done it, to be honest, because I landed, we landed on Wednesday and I raced oh. on like Saturday or Sunday in oh, Europe. Oh, brutal. And, um, <laughs> yeah, like Josh is always fine. He travels super well. He's super, yeah, res- resilient in that those instances. And for me, I just felt, yeah, horrific. And <laughs> we joke about it now because sometimes I get a bit dramatic and I told Josh the trip was off. So yeah, two weeks into the trip, I was already saying we're going to go home. So, um, yeah, I get a bit dramatic sometimes to 
Josh and we we laugh about it at the end of the year, um, yeah. you know. So, yeah. Yeah. no, the trip wasn't off. It was all good. Yeah. <laughs> just um, set things straight in Ibiza and was pretty happy about it. Um, you know, Anna Haug, there was no beating her that day. She mm. beat me by a couple of minutes. I was like, oh, that was brutal. Mm. Um, but, mm. yeah, I felt like it, it was great and she was phenomenal, but I also felt like I had so much more to give. I didn't really feel like I had that spring in my step um, mm, mm. that I knew that I could work on and with, with, you know, with extra fitness and more racing. So yeah, definitely Milwaukee was a tough one. Um, you know, I had, I raced a hundred percent of my ability that day, but I definitely feel like I was just like on the edge the whole day. I felt like mm-hmm. it was an Olympic distance effort for me, but for three and a half hours or three hours. An extra hour and a half. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I really feel like I was just on the limit and, you know, that's not hard to feel when you've got Taylor Nib drilling at the front for sure. I'm sure she had something to do with that. So, um, yeah, but I think that the two weeks after in Asian Open, I think that was good for me because I think I allowed myself to probably rest a bit more mm-hmm. before Milwaukee because it was, you know, such a huge goal. Maybe I had, you know, I was just really kind of pushing those limits in training and just making sure that I got the best out of myself. But then sometimes that can, you know, work against you in some instances where you kind of just need to respect your body a bit more and, and, and rest potentially a little bit more. So I think because I had done Milwaukee two weeks prior and had a 17-hour flight from LAX to Singapore to look forward to, I definitely made sure that I I was more well-rested. I respected the fact that I'd put in a massive effort in Milwaukee. I had to do this crazy travel to Singapore. So once I got to Singapore, instantly... It was a it was a strange feeling. I just felt like at ease. I was in these conditions that I love. It was hot and humid and mm. yeah, it was just really good vibes. I just felt yeah, at ease and yeah, I think it was a good sign that I was going to mm. maybe have a great race and the obviously, I'm not just saying this because I won, but I definitely felt a a be- better flow in Asian Open. It was just one of those days where I was like, okay, I think I'm on here. And um, unfortunately, Anna had a mechanical on the bike and she got, uh, you know, lost some time there. Um, but I definitely felt like I, I took control, um, especially on that bike, which was which was really good for me. Um, it was quite hilly and, and hard and multi-lap. So I think that it suited me quite well. And I just, I guess, capitalized on that um, and was mm. able to hold on and with a strong run. So yeah, all different, like Mm -hmm. really different experiences across all three races, but yeah, really cool to be able to race the women that I did all year. And I think that that's what really motivates me. Um, having those big goals, having those, you know, three big races where I can really like focus in on them and knowing I'm going to race the best in the world. It's definitely helped me get the best out of myself. Yeah. And you moved into world number one, um, <clears throat> you know, and you've been there for a good chunk of the year. Did, was there a good feeling when, when you first saw your name at the top uh, or did you not care? Um, yeah, it's a bit, I think it was a bit surreal. I think that, um, 
yeah, I just felt like it was, I was quite honored to be there. I thought that, um, yeah, I had obviously done really well at the the PTO, which are a platinum event. So, um, if you do well at them, you know, you're going to score well. So, Mm. you know, I, you know, the seeing the record day though in Kona, knowing Anna or Taylor could potentially, um, you know, take the world number one if they were to to win. Um, mm. I thought that they would have to potentially win to to get enough points, but it was so fast and they did so <laughs> exceptionally mm. well that even Anna's second place was good enough to take the number one. And, you know, she deserves that. She's had the, the most incredible year. And um, so, yeah, like it's fire in my belly, to be honest. It's nice. I love year. it. Yeah. But I also am also like realistic and think, yeah, because there's nothing you can do about it now, right? Just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, absolutely. It, so not. you're second. You you finished the year second um, with that because there's yeah. no other platinum. Yeah. There, there's nothing else you can do to try. There's and win. no other races that I could possibly score better than my three scores that I have now. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. Well, honestly, Ashley, I just think it's been an outstanding uh, couple of years, but obviously moving all the way up to world number one where I don't know how long you were there for, but it felt like I kept going back to the PTO scoreboard and there you were on top and Taylor Nib was kind of there and, um, and Annie Hug has always been there. Um, but you know, when you, yeah. you, you are, when you, you throw these names, Annie Hug, Taylor Nib, Lucy Charles Barclay, Laura Phillip, Paula Finley, uh, Daniela Riff, you know, you're there and you, 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 you're the one that's making a big statement. Um, the way you've spoken, there's a lot of, it's got me thinking a lot about how I was emotionally as an athlete. And I always needed Laura, who <laughs> was probably more <laughs> stable. Um, and I often needed to get a couple of good races under my belt early in the year to then remember that I can do this. <laughs> and, and even when you said you won the Asian champs and felt better after Milwaukee, um, I often felt better the week or two after doing a race and my second race would often be a lot better. And a lot of it was just, I could just relax because I wasn't questioning myself. Um, but if a month or two went by, then I'd start questioning myself again. Like, ah, no, you're okay. Um, but how, how is, you know, this launching up to world number one and, how did that sort of change your approach to races? Did you find yourself having to do more media? Has there been more pressure from external um, sponsors and everything else? Has that changed at all? I guess in a sense there's probably be more pressure as, you know, the better I've done over the last couple of years. Mm. But it's actually coincided with me being in a better spot myself mm-hmm. in the sense that I've definitely let go a lot of those um those pressures and potentially the the fear I had that was probably holding me back for a lot of my career mm. I think that now I'm just at a point where it sounds so cliche and just so simple but I'm just trying to do the best I can every day mm-hmm. and sometimes well a lot of the times it's not that pretty it's actually not that exceptional Mm -hmm. but if you back those days up day after day it can turn into something great Mm -hmm. and I think that that's just been kind of my mantra because I don't know I'd I'd probably have to talk to talk to my coach more but if I look at my training I think that I'm just consistently average I don't think that there's days where you know 
I'm actually that exceptional. There might be a few days in like a really big build where I'm like, okay, yep, you know, I get something back from myself to think, yeah, that was actually quite good. Mm -hmm. Um, You're on the right track. Keep going, Ash. But a lot of the times it's just like putting in those days of work. Just keep turning up. Keep chopping wood, as Simon Whitfield always says. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you think yourself of more of a a trainer or a racer? Are you? Definitely a racer. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) I think that I think I am very good at being consistent. I I do put a lot of work into just measuring my effort. In a sense, I try and make sure that I don't be a hero in a Mm. lot of sessions, so I can back up the next day. So. I guess that's just something I've learned over time. Um, mm. You know, I think David, my coach, he'd probably love if I was had a bit more communication on training peaks. He's probably listening to this. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I would love a bit more feedback. But I, I've said to him numerous times, like, yeah, if you don't hear too much, it's just because everything's okay. Not There's nothing disastrous. There's nothing amazing. I'm just I'm humming along okay. Mm. And, yeah, I think that I've become quite good at making decisions um, myself just day to day. You know, I love waking up and just seeing the training that David's given me. Um, he's really good at communication. So we speak, you know, most weeks, but generally, you know, it's also up to me to make sure I, I do the right thing day to day. And I think that um, when I make those right decisions, I'm able to back up the next day. And yeah, that consistent work over a long period of time has definitely started to pay dividends Mm. and yeah, but then, you know, those big blocks before like, you know, the Milwaukee and Asian Open, you know, I kind of get this, I look back now and I I probably definitely kind of get this, not narrow mindedness, but I definitely feel like I'm very focused and and Josh senses that within me. I kind of sense that with myself. Mm -hmm. We also just have so much fun with it that it kind of makes it easier. Um, I feel like, you know, there's not much happening in our lives. We're in, we're in those training camps in Europe. It's, it's swim, bike and run. But, you know, when you've got Josh there with you, life is pretty entertaining to say the least. So, um, yeah, it's always a good time when you hang out with him and work hard. Oh, I love that. Well put. Do you, do you train to do you train to data much? Like, are you using a lot of the wearables and tools and everything, or you just go by feel? Um, so yeah, I have a power meter on my bike, a quark. Um, I have a GPS watch that tells me how fast I'm running. Mm-hmm. Um, I use heart rate sometimes, but that's mainly just when I'm on the treadmill. So yeah, um, yeah, there's a bit more data around the workout. But a lot of it is, I guess, yeah, we have data and and David does, I guess, have a scientific approach to a sense, but I feel like that I put the responsibility on him on that. I just trust that he's, you know, looking Mm. at the best ways for me to train and looking at the latest data and the latest ways to get the best out of myself. But on a day-to-day basis, yeah, I use basic um, data. You know, I I follow the watts. for my bike sessions and mm, mm. Gen- general pacing on the run, but also definitely to feel, especially on the run, I feel like, um, yeah, it's just I've got a pretty good grasp of how I should be pacing the kind of sessions that David gives me. And I think that um, 
that's kind of good in those races too, especially like the hot races or races where the different conditions can change. I think I've got a pretty good awareness of um, what limit I'm kind of sitting at. Mm. And you mentioned Josh and, you know, I asked him similar questions when he was on, but how, how are you guys working together to make this work? You know, it, it's, you have your married life and everything else outside of triathlon, but triathlon and your careers are so consuming. You know, what are some of the positives that each of you bring to each other's careers, I guess? Um, you know, Josh is a fun guy. He's humorous and he's a good guy to have around. Do you guys sort of play to each other's strengths to try and help each other in in your careers? I definitely think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say like at the core we are very similar and we share the same values um, and are very aligned in many, many ways. Um, I guess that's how we are, you know, can be married and and found that connection to begin with. Mm. But as two individuals, I would say that we are very different, but I think that it does complement each other um, just on a, yeah, relationship-wise, but then on a day-to-day basis just being athletes. Like, um, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like smiling so much thinking about this. It, it has been super fun to be able to share the last couple of years with him mm. a lot more because, um, yeah, before that we were definitely spending so many months and months apart. And yeah, I definitely found like there was some points where I was quite lonely. Um, even mm. if I was with other people, I I think I'm a bit more introverted than Josh and maybe a bit more shy. So I've probably a harder time kind of connecting with people that I don't know. Mm. And, you know, he's quite outgoing and literally could like make friends with our mailman if he shows up, <laughs> you know, enough times. <laughs> So, yeah, having him, you know, there each day has been super fun and I think that, yeah, we are definitely different people and but we are, you know, very determined athletes. So we do make compromises at times for each other mm-hmm. but also a lot of the times we just respect that we might have to go separate ways in certain situations mm-hmm. um, if it's best for us individually. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, that's been a good thing for us. It's been very healthy. I think that we've been able to yeah, focus on each other's career, help each other where we can, but definitely make sure that we are, you know, not sacrificing too much in detriment to our own careers. And mm-hmm. I think that because we have that kind of probably unspoken, to be completely honest, respect for each other mm-hmm. um, and our careers, that kind of can just happen and it's kind of just landed like that, mm. um, which has, yeah, worked well. Well, you're definitely a team. It's so evident from speaking yeah. to both of you individually, but the way you talk about each other and the way that you are trying to support each other, it's, it's a team. Um, your win is his win and, and vice versa. And, and like we talked yeah. about earlier in the show, when you both get to win, it's like, oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think... The triathlon world can see that. And as much as you're inspiring as individual athletes, it it really is. There's a lot of people that listen to this show that, you know, have their partners maybe in the sport with them. And, 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 you know, like Laura and I had each other. And there really is an inspiration in seeing a couple that can work together. And I know it's not always roses, you know, (laughs) two tired athletes. There's no way it's always (laughs) roses. But but I love the way that you guys do celebrate each other and you do speak about each other. It it really is... um, it's, it's great to hear. 
Um, but I, I want to finish up because I know I've taken a lot of your time and, um, I want to finish up real quick with some just opinions. Um, Kona, well, sorry, not Kona, Iron Man just announced their new prize series for the end of the next year. Probably not a focus for you in the sense that you're focused on the middle distance, I assume. Um, yeah. what, what, what are your thoughts on the way that they're doing it? I think they said you got to do three Ironmans to score and they're giving an end of year bonus or something. Yeah, um, I've, I saw the announcement. I, to be honest, I haven't looked uh, like yeah. through the, um, the the way that they're kind of doing it too closely. Um, but I think that it's great for the sport and I think that they're probably seeing, um, yeah, the prize money and the bonuses that, that the PTO have kind of put forward to professional athletes and they're trying to match it um, themselves. So I think that that's a win for triathlon. So Mm -hmm. I think that everyone Mm -hmm. should be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, I think that there's 18 races that they kind of plotted out that can count towards their world bonus. Okay. So I think that, you know, obviously some of them are Ironman athletes and you're right. I think three of them, you know, three of them can be an Ironman, uh, Ironman event. And I think the Ironman events score more highly than the 70.3s. Okay. So, I think that it's a big win for Ironman athletes, the ones that do the full distance, and they're going to be rewarded for being able to, yeah, do really well over three Ironmans, which is, yeah, Mm. obviously a big ask, but people do it. Um, But I don't see it as like a direct competition to like say the PTO Tour Series, to be completely honest, because I see it more as like the the Challenge Series bonus that is already, already there. They kind of reward you for doing I guess their brands events. And I think that it'll be interesting to see, you know, where certain athletes might pivot. There's some athletes that, you know, might enjoy the Ironman and full distance um, more and just decide to focus on that and just being good across, say, you know, those three big Ironmans. Mm. But it'll be interesting to see how it goes because um, those, you know, 18 races that they put out are obviously going to you know, probably be more competitive with more athletes looking to score points at those races. But yeah, yeah. Um, no. you know, it's it's trying to juggle those things. And to be completely honest, you also have to keep it, try and not be too greedy because um, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me personally, um, I'm just going to try and make sure that I can be consistently good. And then obviously pick a few A races where I can try and aim to be very good and not do too much more than that because I think part of this game is also just yes. staying healthy, um, injury-free, and you get rewarded from from doing that and choosing those races where you can try and excel at certain points in the year. Yeah, stay focused and have intent. I love that. That's really cool. Ne- next opinion, um, you know, they've split the men and women up for the World Ironman World Championships with Nice and Kona. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that as a, as a, you know, obviously we've moved from having both men and women at Kona to women only this year, and they're going to keep alternating. What, what do you think we should do? Um, I don't know, I guess as a, I'm not someone who does full distance Ironman, so I'm not sure if I'm the. the Ah, but you love the sport. You love the sport. You have an opinion. I still have an opinion, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people seem to think that um, you know, Kona in particular this year did very well. I think a lot of the women um, mm-hmm. really relished having the, 
the standalone women's world championship. Mm. And I think that it was a really great vibe there in Kona. But I also think there was overall a sentiment that it would be nice to be able to race as, you know, males and females together, but still have, you know, a standalone day for the women. Yes. So I think like in in my opinion, I think that it would be cool if, you know, if Kona does have this special aura about it and everyone does still want to go there and it is still supported by the locals, potentially make it men and women on separate days in Kona, but make the world championship numbers a bit more exclusive. So um, it is more manageable, mm-hmm. but that's also at the sacrifice, you know, of age groupers as well. So I think that like mm. the first protocol should be actually to be the age groupers. Would they like to have more spots at their, at their world championships or would they rather go to Kona and make it more exclusive? So mm. um, and it's, it's an inter- interesting c- discussion and I think that there's so many people involved, um, especially the amateur athletes, um, because ultimately I think that that's what determined it, just the sheer amount of mm. um, numbers that Ironman put out to have at the World Championships that for the for the amateur athletes. So it's an interesting discussion. Oh, I love it. You've thought about it and talked about it a lot because that was great. <laughs> well, yeah, I just I think I, as someone – yeah with like a significant other obviously yeah. in triathlon. I'm like, oh, it'd be so sad if I do go and do Ironman and yeah. I'm in Kona or Josh's in Nice and we don't get to experience that together. So I actually see how, yeah. um, you know, that separation of events is sad and especially at those PTO races the last couple of years, like I have absolutely loved hanging around and watching the men race. Oh, I love both together. It's been for yeah. me... One of the real joys of a career in sport and everything we've had, I mean, you and Josh met because of the sport. Myself and Laura met because of the sport. We, we can probably name another 50 couples that we all know. And I'm always, I've always loved watching the women's race, watching the men's race. I'm, I'm just as intrigued on both. And yeah, when I watched sure. Nice this year and, you know, Sam laid low and they had the amazing performances. And then it was this kind of like, Oh, but I felt it. We're missing. We're missing something still, and I still want to have the women's race separate. I, I, you know, last year, twenty twenty two was the golden year where we actually got to have you know the women on the was it Friday or Saturday, whatever day before, and the men were the next day. That was really cool. Now, obviously, that's a lot to put on the local community. Um, Yeah. But if there was some way we could do that, like you said, I think be that'd be the best. Um, Yeah, for sure. But great answer. Um, I want to finish just quickly with the final four. Um, and these ones I, I, I hope, you know, you can sort of reflect on a little bit. But what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Oh, gosh. I think that I would just say go, friend. Just stress less. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> stress less. Great yeah. advice. <laughs> I think um, – as a super young athlete, I had no worries in my life at all. I had zero anxiety. I think like as soon yeah. as I, I got a little bit older, that kind of started creeping in and um, lost that, you know, fearfulness and carefreeness about myself um, for a while there. So I just probably tell myself to let it go. You'll be fine. I love that. That's right. You know what Laura first said to me in 2000 or whatever, 99 when we got together and she said, Greg, because I was like you, anxiety was often crippling me and, it's like, Greg, nobody cares about you. I was like, well, that sounds a bit 
harsh, but what she meant was, <laughs> you know, and it, it's kind of freeing when somebody says that to you, that nobody cares about you in the sense that they care when they're talking directly to you, but then they go off and they've got their own stuff. And the more that you realize, oh, it, it, for me, it was freeing in the sense of, okay, just go out there and do your best. And nobody's going to remember if you had a bad race. Now, you know, some might remember a good race, but honestly, people go about their business. Um, so anyway. Yeah. And you can't please everyone too. It's no. Like just, it's just life. You just have to be yourself <laughs> and be comfortable with it. And I think that, yeah, as I've definitely got older, I've, especially in the last few years, to be honest, it's taken me until I've reached my thirties to actually feel a hundred percent. Yeah. Like comfortable in my own skin. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it takes some people a long time to get there, but um, that's okay, I guess. As long yeah. as you get there eventually, it's part of, I guess, getting older and, um, yeah, living those experiences and learning from them. Mm, the golden 30s. I love it. <laughs> All right, three people you'd want to have dinner with, non-family, living or dead? Um, okay, so I'm going to be, yeah, I'm. to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you and say, I'm not going to invite anyone famous because I know myself. I would just be too shy to um, <laughs> be able to engage in oh, any kind great. of conversation with anyone that I don't particularly know, and particularly if they're a bit famous or like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm probably just going to choose my bridesmaids from my wedding last year, and there was four of them, so they'll have to. Yeah. delegate one person not to make it or maybe we can have a rotation. You can have four. Um, we'll, let you ha- we'll let you have four. <laughs> so- <laughs> They're all over the world. Like we never, I, that's one thing I just absolutely loved about school. You see your friends every single day, but now we're like um, these are four people that I, I met through school and like dear friends of mine, but we all live completely different lives now. So to be able to have Oh yeah. Can we make it a weekly dinner? Um, you know, we live all over the place. It would just be the best thing in the world. I love that Ash. And I gotta say, I gotta add something. You speak incredibly well and there's no reason for you to ever feel shy, intimidated or anything about (laughs) anybody else. And I think even in the two years since we last spoke, I think just, you know, slowly but surely, you know, there's this, okay, I got this. I can speak speak about topics, and I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll be your one in the background, just getting you ready for these these you know things because I think you're doing a fantastic job in the way you speak. Um, so you should yeah. never feel intimidated by anybody. And the other thing <laughs> is, what I've learned in life now that I'm an old man is everybody's bullshitting. And once you realize that, it's really freeing. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, nobody knows more than I do really. Yeah, well, that's, that's why I'll just know my, I'll just bring my own friends to do that. They won't bullshit me. No. Even if they do, I'll know it. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, where do you see yourself in five years? I mean, oh, gosh, five years is a tough one at yeah. this point of my career, to mm, be honest. Yeah. Um, I feel like in a sense that the next five years will be, yeah, a lot more of what I've been doing, to be completely honest. Um. Mm. Yeah, it's, I think um, Josh mentioned this too, but yeah, it's kind of at a time where, you know, also thinking about, um, you know, a family, but I'm also thinking, you know, I'm probably doing the best I ever have in my triathlon Mm -hmm. career. So Mm -hmm. I definitely want to capitalize on that. And you can only be an athlete for a very, very short part of your life. So I think that I'll still be doing some, yeah, swim, bike and run and hopefully, um, 
at the highest level. Love it. Love it. All right. Final one. How would, how would you use the remaining days if you had six months to live? It's kind of, it's, it's not meant to sound awful. It's Morbid. actually, no, it's meant to, it's meant to be all right. What am I going to go okay. do? Um, to be honest, I think that I would do much of what I'm doing right now. Isn't that but awesome? I yeah. would definitely train less so I could spend more time with the people that I love. I would, yeah, just be, I, I wouldn't put, yeah, myself or my training first. I would try and just connect with, yeah, my family and friends and mm. go to all the corners of Australia and the UK where one of my friends is and just, yeah, see them and spend time with them, but also still, yeah, do what I love. And I honestly love the sport so much that I would still be on my bike. Um, yeah, I might take Josh along with me if he's lucky. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know he said he would just, you know, keep, um, you know, yeah. go on these long bikes and do this and do that. And that's, that's typical Josh. You'd be yeah. like, yeah. Josh, you got six months to live and he's out the back on some hills <laughs> identifying <laughs> trees and gravel riding for 11 hours a day. So, yeah. Um, yeah, adventures with Josh and definitely more time for people that I don't get to see when I'm consumed in my sport. Oh, Ash, that, what a great, great answer. And um, I think it's a pretty good place to, to wind this up. Now, you, what's next? You got Noosa coming up and then a good break. You, you guys off to... Is it North Stradbroke Island? Where do you guys go camping? Yeah, so Noosa in nearly two weeks now. So I yeah. head up there, fortieth um, anniversary of that event too, which is pretty wow, yeah, um, amazing. So that'll be a really big celebration. Mm. Um, and then yeah, that's that race is on Sunday, the fifth of November, and then we've booked camping for Morton. Um, Morton that Bay. week actually, we'll go for about eight days. So. Yeah, completely switch off. Um, Have your yeah, first anniversary to the, together on the island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the island, we will actually be pretty um, secluded, just living in a tent, going fishing, um, disconnect from the world for eight days. So, yeah, it's really, really refreshing. And um, yeah. yeah, when we come back, it's yeah, it's the best, the best feeling to have that type of relaxation time. Um, yeah, on the island, and then. Yeah, I'll still take a bit more time than that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, look to next year and see what big races are on the calendar and start planning, I guess. Oh, wow. Well, Ash, I'm a huge fan. You know that. Um, thanks for coming back on the show. I really appreciate just running through these couple of years. Like we said, it's like, I can't believe it's been two years. Um, but And it's been, a, it's been a whirlwind. You've done incredible. So, um, again, thanks for coming on and just just having a chat. I appreciate you. Yeah, no worries. Um, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, perfect. All right. For everyone listening, you can find all the show notes, timestamps and everything else at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. All right. Stay on the line, Ash. I appreciate you.